You're listening to the Grow Your Own Food Podcast, a show dedicated to helping you grow fresh fruit, vegetables, and even grains in your own backyard. In every episode, you'll get growing tips, recipe inspiration, and more. Ready to get growing? Then let's jump in. everybody and welcome to episode 57 of the Grow Your Own Food podcast. I'm your host Shauna Smith and today we are going to be talking all about potatoes. Several episodes ago this past spring we talked about how to sprout your own seed potatoes. We talked about how to properly plant your potatoes. In this episode we're going to be talking about the two main types of potatoes that people grow and their differences in growing habit and then therefore their differences in harvesting timeframes. We're going to talk about what to look for when it comes to knowing when it's time to harvest. And then we're going to be talking about how to harvest and how to cure your potatoes so that they last as long as possible in storage. So we're going to be going over all that information today, but first a word from our sponsor. So I feel like I have to put it out there and say that harvesting potatoes is probably my next favorite thing to do in the garden up there right below harvesting garlic. And it's only below harvesting garlic because garlic is my favorite thing to grow in the garden. Harvesting potatoes is like digging for buried treasure in your vegetable garden. It's it's just a lot of fun. But before you get there, there are a lot of things that you need to know, like the signals, like what signals formation of the tubers, when to harvest, how to harvest, and how to cure potatoes for storage. Those are all things that it's really good to know before you go and start trying to harvest your potatoes, just so that, number one, you're not harvesting too early or too late, and number two, you're making sure that your potatoes will store as long as possible. So the very first thing we're going to talk about is the two main classifications of potatoes, and those are early potatoes and main crop potatoes. So early potatoes are also known as new potatoes. We often think of them as red potatoes because they're red. So there's several different varieties. There's red Pontiac, there's Norland. Those are probably the two most common types of early or quote-unquote new potatoes. New potatoes are smaller in size. They're usually about the size of an egg, maybe a little bit bigger, and they have tender, thin skins that make it possible to eat them whole or quartered, you know, depending on the preparation with the skins on, which is amazing. It's great because the skins have a ton of nutritional value. And if you're growing potatoes organically, you know, you're not using pesticides, you're not, you know, using any herbicides, that means that you can eat those potato skins without any worries about any of those chemicals, you know, going into your food. So really nutritious, really good for you. New potatoes mature a lot faster. They only take about three to four months to mature. Some of them, if you plant them in March, are ready to start digging up as early as kind of like late May, early June. Main crop potatoes, on the other hand, they are typically much larger. They are 
like those russet potatoes, Kennebec potatoes. Um, you know, russet potatoes are typically what we think about when we think about baking potatoes. Kennebec potatoes are a really popular French fry potato. They get much larger and they have much tougher skins. So the tougher the skin, the longer they tend to store in storage. And also, these end up being potatoes that we peel. We don't end up, you know, eating the skins because the skins are a lot tougher and they're just kind of a lot chewier, not, not so pleasant um, to eat. Main crop potatoes take longer to mature. They take more like five to six months to mature, whereas new potatoes, like I said, take about three or four months. So that means that you're going to be digging them at different times. And we're going to be talking about if you're not sure which ones you planted, that's okay because we're going to be talking about the signals, the kind of signs that you see from the plant that let you know that it's time to harvest. So you'll know even without knowing um, what variety you planted, you'll know when to harvest. So the first thing that we look at when we are judging, you know, whether a potato is ready to harvest or even just where a potato is in its life cycle, in its maturity, is the vining and flowers. So if you've planted potatoes, you know by now that they vine, that they have a plant part that grows up out of the ground. And if you didn't know that, you know that now. The really interesting thing that people don't know, in addition to the fact that they have a plant part is that potato vines flower and it's actually really really pretty red potatoes tend to have like these light purple flowers and white potatoes you know just like a yukon gold or a russet potato tend to have um, white flowers now it's really cool because those flowers typically signify that a tuber has, or several tubers, have started to develop underground. So that is the first signal from the plant that you're going to get, you know, other than the vine growing up out of the ground and just like showing you that the seed potato didn't die, that it's actually growing. You're going to see flowers and that's going to show you that, you know, the tubers have begun developing. But I do want to say that Potato vines don't always flower. And if your potato vines didn't flower, don't worry. They are still developing tubers underground. There are several things that might cause potatoes not to flower. Number one, the pH level in the soil isn't quite right for your potatoes. Number two, the conditions of kind of like the weather when you planted your potatoes in the first place. So we had a really late, hard spring frost. And so my potatoes had grown to about a foot tall and that frost killed them almost back down to the ground. They did bounce back over the following weeks, but due to that setback, when it started getting like really warm out, they ended up not flowering because they were kind of too far behind at that point. But I still got a potato harvest out of my new potatoes. So if your potato vines don't flower, don't freak out. It doesn't mean you don't have any potatoes growing down there. You do. It's just that potato vines flowering is just a sign that that vine can give you that the tubers have started producing. 
And it's really nice to know when those tubers have started producing because for early potatoes, you can start harvesting once the flowers have kind of wilted and run their course and kind of digging around there, you know, with your hand in the dirt. Um, and I'll get to that in a second. But that's another reason why, you know, the potato flowering is important because it just helps you, especially knowing when you can kind of start sneaking out those early potatoes for dinner. It's so delicious. The second thing you're going to want to look for when it comes to what your vines are telling you is the vines dying back. In my episode, I would say a handful of episodes ago about hilling potatoes, I talked about how the vines die back kind of not long after you do your second helling. It has nothing to do with bad things being in the mulch that you used to hill your potatoes, no pests or anything like that. That's just the natural life cycle of your potato plant. The dying back of the vines is actually a signal from the plant that the potatoes are ready to harvest. And the first time I grew potatoes and the vines started dying, I panicked. I figured I'd royally messed something up. But then I went to go pull up the dead vines. I was, of course, really frustrated. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get this out of here. This reminder that I'm a horrible gardener. I was surprised to find perfectly healthy potatoes attached to a lot of those dead vines. And I kept digging and even more potatoes turned up. So that is the way that potato plants work. The vines die back is a sign that that plant is done. It's stored up all the starches that it's going to in the tubers and it's done for the year. But I do want to point out a common misconception here. A lot of people think that if they leave their potatoes in the ground longer once the plant part has died back, that the potatoes will continue to get bigger they will not. It's a lot like alliums. So it's a lot like garlic and shallots and onions. Once that plant part kind of flops over and starts to yellow or brown and dies back, there's no more photosynthesis happening in the leaves because the leaves are dead. When there's no more photosynthesis happening, the plant isn't producing any more glucose. It's not producing any more sugars to be stored as starches in the roots. So if there's no more photosynthesis happening in the plant part, because there is no plant part anymore, the tubers, the potatoes under the ground are not going to get any bigger. That said, it's not going to hurt your potatoes to leave them in the ground a little bit longer. Say, you know, you can't get out there to harvest your potatoes as soon as the vines die back. It's not gonna hurt anything. The longer you leave them in the dirt, the more there's a possibility of pests getting to them. So that is maybe a concern if you leave your potatoes out there for like weeks, especially in the summertime after the potato vines have withered. But otherwise, it's not going to hurt anything. So when to harvest, aside from, you know, just knowing that when the vines die back, that's when you can harvest. For early potatoes, like I said earlier, once the flowers have wilted and died, that's typically around early June for me. I plant my early potatoes, I plant all my potatoes actually, in early to mid-March. So my early potatoes start being ready, those flowers start dying back around early June. And 
it's really cool because you don't have to dig up the whole plant at that point because the vines are still going strong. What you can do is kind of dig your hands into the the mound of dirt that those potatoes are growing in, kind of gently set the vines aside, you know, move the mulch aside and gently dig your hand in there and just pull out the larger, you know, egg-sized potatoes that are ready and you can make them for dinner that night. There is nothing like the taste of freshly dug, homegrown early potatoes. They practically melt in your mouth. They are so good. And it's great because you can leave the rest of the tubers that haven't gotten as big as they're going to, you can leave those still under the ground to keep growing because the vines are still alive. After you've picked enough for your meal, you know, if you do start to harvest some of your early potatoes earlier than like the vines dying back, just gently move the stem back to where it was, recover the base of the stem or hill it with mulch so that you make sure you're not exposing the developing tubers to sunlight or they'll start photosynthesizing. And like I've said before, potatoes that start to photosynthesize start to turn green and they're toxic for us to eat. When to harvest main potato crops. Now, main potato crops are different, so we don't kind of pilfer them out of the ground like we do new potatoes. We want to make sure that we're leaving them in the soil to get as large as they're going to. Those baking potatoes, those Yukon Golds and Kennebecs and things like that. Like I said, they take about six months to mature. So even though I planted them the same time as my early potatoes, they're not going to be ready for another two to three months after my early potatoes. Again, With main crop potatoes, you don't have to dig up the whole plant at once. In fact, as the cooler weather in fall and winter arrives, it helps keep the potatoes from being, one, eaten by pests, and two, rotting as they sit in the soil for long term. Plus, the longer they stay in the soil, the thicker their skins will get and the longer they'll store above ground. So a little bit different there. And also the additional kind of cool soil will help them kind of keep from sprouting. And you can use it like a natural, almost like storage facility for your potatoes. I do want to point out that once your potato vines start dying back, whether they're early potatoes or main crop potatoes, it doesn't matter. It's a good idea to slack off on watering. You don't want to stop watering them altogether, but it's okay if they don't get as much water as everything else in the garden. If you water them as much as they've always been watered and the plant part is dying back, it means that that moisture is going to sit in the soil and eventually that kind of increases the chance of the potatoes rotting. So make sure as the vines start to die back that you kind of ease up on the watering a little bit. Now for the next part, digging up your potatoes. Again, it's like digging for buried treasure. It's so much fun and I love it. It's really easy though to cut or scrape or otherwise damage potatoes as you're digging them up, especially new potatoes because they have such thin skins. So you want to take extra care when harvesting so as not to damage any tubers in the process. So I have a process for harvesting potatoes that I'm going to run through here really quick that'll kind of help you in terms of knowing what to do once they're ready to dig. The first thing I do is put some gloves on. You're probably like, why the heck is this step one? 
Honestly, I prefer to use my hands for harvesting potatoes because they are so easy to damage. If you use a spade, if you use a pitchfork, it's really easy, like I said, to cut them or spear them accidentally. And those are potatoes that you're going to have to eat immediately because they will rot. And if you let them sit with all of your other healthy potatoes and they rot, they're going to spread that bacteria to your healthy potatoes in storage. So we want to avoid puncturing or scraping potatoes as much as we can and using your hands is going to do that now if you use your hands to harvest potatoes though you're going to be up to your elbows in dirt literally at some point during the potato harvesting process so gloves are just going to save you from having super stained cuticles and dirty looking fingernails for days even after you've showered twice and washed your hands too many times to count if you don't care about that you can forego the gloves I'm just saying it makes my life a little bit easier. Step two, remove the vines. Now you can, if you want to, just pull the vines up, kind of like grasp it at soil level and just pull it up. You'll find that when you pull it up, some potatoes might come with it, but most of the time, once vines have died back, they've kind of like released the their grip on the tubers you know that that connection to the tubers has kind of snapped pretty easily and the tubers are going to be lost down in the soil so when i remove the vines it's mostly just to get them out of the way once you have the vines out of the way slowly start moving the soil that's on top of the hill remember we hilled our potatoes we piled a bunch of extra soil and and straw mulch or whatever you used for mulch on top of them to kind of shield the growing potatoes from getting exposed to sunlight so move that out of the way once you start uncovering tubers pull them out of the soil now like i said if you have like a bigger bed that's like out in your yard if you're growing a ton of potatoes or if your soil is crusted over and it's hard to work with your hands, you can totally use a small pitchfork to dig perpendicular or crosswise to the trench of potatoes that you planted. Leaving the vines on the potato plant or kind of like on top kind of helps give you a better idea of where to dig. Just know you might accidentally spear a tuber or two and those should be washed and eaten straight away so they don't go to waste. Once you've removed the potatoes from under the soil whether you remove them with your hands or you used a pitchfork to unearth them you want to place them in a paper bag or in some other sort of breathable opaque bag so not a basket not a mesh bag you want something that the sunlight kind of can't get into because again depending on how long you're out there harvesting potatoes and it can take a while because those little buggers like to hide under the soil I swear you might end up with the potatoes being exposed to sunlight for a decent amount of time so we just want to immediately place them into something that is sunproof but is breathable and make sure that you gently place them in that paper bag or whatever receptacle that you're using don't toss them because they can bruise and bruised potatoes again don't store as well 
Once you have all your potatoes dug, and again, it can take a while, and I encourage you to move those mounds of soil around as much as possible. I miss some teeny tiny potatoes every year, and I get surprise volunteer potato plants all the time. Happens to the best of us. But after we get them all dug up, we have to cure them so that they will last longer in storage. So the process of curing is done to help potato skins thicken even further. And like I said, thicker skins equal longer storage life. And the conditions that we cure in are kind of made to mimic the conditions that the potatoes would experience under the soil. Now, why wouldn't you just leave the potatoes in the soil if that's the case? Well, If you use succession planting, like I talked about a few episodes ago, you need the potatoes out of there so you can plant your next crop. Or, you know, if you've noticed that you have a problem with potato pests, you want to get those potatoes out of there as quickly as possible so that you can save the potatoes you do have from any creepy crawlies. So those are some reasons why you might want to go ahead and take the potatoes out of the soil and cure them and thicken the skins indoors rather than naturally in the soil. So the first thing you want to do is bring your freshly dug potatoes inside, sort out any potatoes that have been damaged in the digging process. So any of them, like I said, that have been cut or scored in any way, um, any of them that have been pierced with a pitchfork, if they have just kind of slightly had the the skin rubbed off in a few places in the instance of new potatoes, in my experience, that's generally okay. That will kind of scab over. You don't need to worry about that a ton because that happens really easily. Once you have your potatoes sorted out into the cure pile and use immediately for dinner pile, for the potatoes you plan to cure, gently brush the dirt off with your fingers. You'll find that dirt comes off newly harvested potatoes fairly easily, so it doesn't take vigorous scrubbing to remove it. And honestly, you don't want to scrub too hard because you'll accidentally remove the skins and and obviously that's not what you want. Absolutely do not rinse the potatoes when you bring them in. This is going to soften the skins even further and it's going to invite rot and it's going to make the potatoes unfit for long-term storage. So just gently brush the extra dirt off. Don't rinse them off. Place your potatoes in a single layer in paper grocery sacks or cardboard boxes. Avoid stacking the potatoes in the bags or boxes. Even if you layer newspaper in between them, it puts too much weight on the potatoes at the bottom and can kind of squish them. And also, even though you use newspaper, it can still trap moisture and too much moisture, again, invites rot. Leave the top of the bag or the cardboard box slightly open so that the potatoes get some air circulation. Set the bags or boxes in a cool, humid place. So an optimal temperature for curing is around 65 degrees, but if it's a few degrees warmer, it's not the end of the world, honestly. Humidity should be kept rather high. Again, kind of mimicking what it's like to be 12 inches deep in the soil. For me, the closest I can get to this is my unfinished basement in the summer. So I turn off the basement dehumidifier And it's usually pretty reliably around 65, 68 degrees down there. Now, if that is not 
a condition that you're able to mimic in your own house. Just do the best you can. As long as your potatoes aren't left in a hot, dry place where they'll shrivel, you're okay. And allow the potatoes to sit in those conditions to cure for 10 to 14 days before moving them to their long-term storage. And lastly, we're going to talk about what those long-term storage conditions should be like. I feel like this episode is getting a little long, but it's a lot of information and I feel like it makes sense to present it all at once. So here we are, extra long episode today. Once potatoes have been cured, they can be safely stored. And these are the steps that you're going to want to follow for storage. After curing, toss out any potatoes that appear to be rotting. Toss them in the compost. Potatoes that are even partially rotted are not ones that you want to eat. Throw them in the compost. And even, you know what, if you've had problems with um, your potatoes kind of volunteering themselves, because potato peels have to be fully composted, destroyed by heat, broken down by bacteria and fungi, or they will grow up into volunteer potato plants, even just a scrap of potato peel. I've seen it in my own garden. So if you have problems with that, you you can totally, if you want to, throw that rotted potato into the garbage. If all your potatoes that you've cured are good, line bags or boxes with newspaper and stack the potatoes inside. Or you can use mesh crates. I have these sort of stacking mesh um, basket slash shelves that I bought at Container Store that work really, really well for potato storage, onion storage, garlic storage, that kind of thing. You'll want to make sure that whatever you're storing the potatoes in, it's breathable. So that way the potatoes are getting some air circulation. It's not going to build up a whole bunch of, you know, extra moisture and they start to rot. Again, ideally, just like when you were curing them, it would be great if the potatoes were in a single layer, but now that they're cured, they, you know, they don't have as much moisture and you can kind of get away with setting a piece of newspaper on top of the first layer of potatoes and stacking a second layer on top of it. It's not going to be so heavy that it's going to crush the layer at the very bottom. That's about where I draw the line though. I don't stack my potatoes up any higher than that. Keep the bags or boxes in a cool, dark place with controlled humidity. Don't store them in your kitchen cupboard unless you want to reach in one day and find a mess of shriveled spuds that have sprouted eyes everywhere. Oh my gosh, I did that my first year after I grew potatoes, and it was definitely a surprise. I pulled my hand out of there right quick because I wasn't sure what I had just grabbed. A temperature of about 60 degrees should be your warmest. Lower temperatures, like down to 55 or even 45, are even better. And that's why I say that leaving your main crop potatoes in the soil and kind of using that over the late fall and early winter as kind of a natural storage facility for your potatoes works really, really great. Especially because in the winter, soil tends to be dry and drier conditions help discourage rot no matter the temperature. It's important to note that new potatoes don't store as long as main crop potatoes because they do have those thinner skins. So you should plan, even if you cured them, 
you should plan to eat new potatoes within, I would say, six to eight. Maybe you could eke out 10 weeks of storage if they're stored in a really chilly temperature like in the fridge. Yes, you can store potatoes in the fridge. See the FAQs on the sister post, which you'll find the link for in the show notes for this episode. Main crop potatoes, however, will store often much longer, but again, the cooler the storage temperatures, the better. So that is it. That is everything about knowing when to harvest potatoes, the two different types of potatoes, how to dig them, how to cure them, and how to store them. If you need to, again, refer back to any of this information, like I said, you can find the link to the sister post for this episode in the show notes. And it's going to link to a bunch of other posts about growing potatoes as well. So if you just started listening to the podcast and this episode interested you and you think you might want to grow potatoes next year, um, you can totally do that. And I have all that information linked in the sister post to this episode. Thank you so very much for listening. In the next episode, I am going to be talking about oak mites, specifically oak mite bites. If you have never had an oak mite bite, I'm really, really happy for you. I'm really, really jealous, but I'm also really, really happy for you because oak mite bites are miserable. Even though I usually don't have an inflammatory response to to usual bugs, I definitely get bothered by oak mites. Those bites sting for up to two weeks, but I have found a way of treating them that gives a lot of relief. So I'm going to be talking about that in the next episode, as well as giving you a recipe for a DIY all-natural bug spray. Yay! And it actually works, by the way. So That is what is up next in next week's episode. Make sure you don't miss it, especially if oak bites are the bane of your existence. Until then, thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you guys in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Grow Your Own Food podcast. Visit beeandbasil.com for helpful how-to articles, images, and recipes.